Welcome back to Rise Regardless, a podcast featuring the trials and triumphs of resilient individuals. I'm your host, Patrice Chan, and this episode with special guests Severi Sovian, Lessing Arogame, and Michael Amoko is part one to a Rise Regardless series called So You Think You're Just a Student? Think Again. Severi Sovian is an emerging solutions engineer at Salesforce in Melbourne, Australia, and has a bachelor's in accounting and finance and master in management. Having made his first foray into the tech industry as a product specialist at Apple, Severi has since been devoted to helping others seize opportunities that are outside the traditional business student trajectory and to venture out into fields such as tech. In doing so, he encourages students to leverage LinkedIn as he tells stories through video content. Blessing Arogame is pursuing a Bachelor of Science in Information Systems with minors in Security Technology and Business Administration at Drexel University. She is a community leader, women in tech, co-founder of Students of LinkedIn, and global citizen who has lived in Nigeria, Germany, Scotland, and now the United States of America. Blessing is a vehement believer in the power of storytelling. She believes that stories and experiences pave the path that enhances a person's voice. And currently, she's interning at Morgan Stanley as a technology analyst. Michael Amoko is a recent graduate from MIT with a major in business management and minors in computer science and mathematics. He's originally from Teaneck, New Jersey, but grew up in a household with two Ghanaian parents. After MIT, Michael will be working as a PM at Microsoft in their two-year AI rotation program in which he'll seek to empower other teams and Microsoft using AI solutions. Michael plans to partake in Harvard Business School's Master of Science and MBA program after his two years at Microsoft. And ultimately, his goal is to empower entrepreneurs who seek to make a positive impact on society, with strong interests in both social impact and technology-related entrepreneurship. I came from that, you know, typical immigrant family where I came from Indonesia to Australia to really find a better life, trying to find more opportunities for me in particular. And so back in high school, me and my family, we didn't have that much funds to, let's say, leverage off mentoring or let's say leverage off some tutoring opportunities. And I was particularly based off this little public high school in the area where you can actually see a whole bunch of these wildlife animals and so. That was Savory. And he shares his story on the perspective shift he's had to make with respect to opportunity and privilege, or the seemingly lack thereof, in order to excel as a student and now as a young professional. Teamwork or collaboration and leadership, I had no idea that I, was, that I would be associated with those keywords because living in the UK, I was very quiet. I wouldn't really talk to people and all of that stuff. But it was once I came to the... United States where, you know, I was, I was faced with all these opportunities. I was like, okay, let me actually, let me see what I can get if I, you know, take a step out of my comfort zone or if I try this opportunity or if I try talking to this person. And that was Blessing. She describes how she refuses to assimilate, but instead to innovate and to create as a student in spite of all the cynicism she's received from her peers. I came into... MIT uh, four years ago now as a computer science major. 
which is actually the, the most common major at MIT. Um, and so I was basically looking to eventually get into robotics and artificial intelligence, more so on the software side and our research. And so my first two years at MIT, um, I was really focused on gaining that research and that software engineering experience um, to sort of set myself up for after MIT. And that was Michael. He explains the value of considering the road less traveled and pursuing passion over prestige as one of the only eight students in his graduating class to have studied business management. Now there's this phrase, young and impressionable, which is many times associated with being a student. You look to your peers and your role models for guidance and a sense of direction. But it's rarely, if ever, the case that the path of another will be the suitable path for you as well. You define your own trajectory, your own path. And that's exactly what Severy, Blessing, and Michael have done, in their own ways, of course. I did a Bachelor of Accounting and Finance uh, at the University of Melbourne. And to be honest, when I moved into the degree, that was following exactly what a lot of people around me were doing, was just moving into the business area because there's a lot of job opportunities and so. But for me, I still had this drive for technology. I still wanted to share this passion point. For a lot of people out there, they, you know that with university, it really drives you towards moving into the professional firm industry, especially, you probably know this in particular, Patrice, especially being in that you know, economics or, let's say, commerce or accounting space, is that they show you the world of what it looks like to be at KPMG or PwC or BCG and stuff. And so that's what you kind of aim and you think would be your end objective as you finish this degree. And that's what I saw as well. I thought, well, I did this degree in accounting. My only opportunity was basically working in the big four. And so when I was kind of going through my applications, I only focused my applications on those, really. And Apple was kind of like a side thing that I thought maybe it might be a little passion point, something I got a bit excited about. And that's when I finished my bachelor's, I moved into a master of management. And the reason why was that I couldn't find an accounting job at the end of my bachelor's degree. Have you seen the meme where the person pressed the button where it's like either extend your degree or, you know, maybe unemployed for a while. So for me, I, I pressed that extended degree button and I moved into that master of management. And at the start, I did get an offer at KPMG um, in auditing and assurance. And I tried it out once it was that internship uh, period. And, you know, a lot of people can say this along with me is that it can either resonate with you, like if you're in auditing and assurance or accounting in general, you either love it or it's something that you might find another opportunity somewhere else. And for me, I, I enjoyed understanding businesses from an inside perspective, understanding how Fortune 500 companies worked. But for me, I just didn't see it as a particular passion point of mine. I saw it in the morning as, okay, something as more of a work thing rather than a life thing. Whereas at Apple, I kind of woke up and I got energized and I got excited because I thought this is my life, right? It's just to really talk about how for people we can benefit their lives with the technology. And so I kind of decided to, to move on um, after that auditing internship period and try to find other jobs, particularly in tech. So while Michael made the transition from a computer science degree into business management... Severy transitioned from the archetypical careers for a business student 
into the tech industry. And though Michael and Savory went in seemingly opposite directions, they were both nonetheless outliers, given their decisions to diverge from what was the norm in their respective environments. But they weren't just outliers by circumstance, they were outliers by choice. They chose to be outliers, knowing that there'd be repercussions of forfeiting the secure option of accepting their return offers. They chose to endure feelings of confusion and stretches of stress so that they could pursue what resonated more with them, what they were more passionate about. I started to realize that the software engineering and the research route in this domain wasn't something that I was all that interested in. And so I was sort of at the halfway mark in my MIT career. And so having this realization at this point was difficult at first, um, just because I'd already spent half of my time focusing on my classes, all of my career um, involvements and all those things in um, what I thought I'd be doing after MIT. Um, And so with that, I was kind of forced to pivot into a path that I wasn't quite sure was just yet. From that internship, I had kind of more or less figured out the path that I didn't want to go down. That just left me with several other paths, and there was no real way to know which one would be right for me. And so at that point, I thought the only logical thing to do would be to basically try all of them. Um, And so I ended up interviewing for a bunch of different industries. Um, I knew my career, I guess, leaning was more towards business now. Um, So I interviewed with different types of companies within business, like finance, um, trading, consulting, all of those sorts of things. And it got to a point in my junior year where I grew a bit overwhelmed by by all these sorts of processes I was going through and having to do all of them sort of back to back. Like I'd have like four days straight of like consulting interviews and then next week I'd have banking interviews and things like that. And so yeah, that, that definitely was very stressful. I think what also added to the stress was the fact that most of my friends at the time after their sophomore summers had taken return offers to the companies that they'd worked at. I did have a return offer as well from Google, but I chose to decline that um, just because I knew that that wasn't the path I wanted to go down. And so, yeah, that kind of made things even trickier because I was going into junior year without anything really secured as far as my next internship. For Michael and Savory, they both had pivotal turning points where they realized that the work they had thought would be the optimal fit for them ended up being the less favorable option. But they wouldn't have realized their true interests if they hadn't ventured out and tried. And with this, they also had to defy the normative constructs built by their degrees and their peers. They had to acknowledge and accept the fact that they didn't want to continue aimlessly pursuing a predefined path regardless of how favorable it may have seemed to others. Normative constructs like these ones, however, don't only perpetuate when it comes to defining your career paths. It also persists whenever you're an outlier, 
For Blessing, she experienced much cynicism when it came to her activity on LinkedIn, before student community was well-established on the platform. I was posting on LinkedIn because at that point, that was kind of my my role um, for my internship. But I was posting on LinkedIn and so many people were coming to me or just messaging me like, oh yeah, she's on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Why are you obsessed with like this kind of platform? But I think I knew in my head that this is something that was for me. Um, this was a place that I would be able to really be myself. And that's what I ended up being. And I think um, it has definitely helped me to to step out of my comfort zone. Whether people believe that or not, or whether people you know, try to drag me down or not, they see that now that I, I continued through that, that um, rocky road and even though, you know, now people still have their criticisms, I don't, I don't focus on that at all. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't look at those opinions of people and then say, oh, yeah, they're probably right. Like, this platform is in. I'm not going to get anything from this platform. I think if you have a goal, if you have, you know, something in your mind that says, this is what you want to do or this is what you want to be. And if you're just focused on that, then whatever, you know, whatever other people say or what, obstacles come your way your mind is still going to be at this is my end goal so I'm gonna do what I have to do to reach that even if it takes one year two years anything like that so it's evident that this young and impressionable saying isn't so valid after all because Severy, Michael and Blessing didn't let society mold them into who they are and into the directions they're in but instead they've carved out these paths for themselves The challenges they've surmounted don't end here, however. Deviating from the norm was only the first step. At Google, um, I worked on this team called the Brain Team. And so Google Brain is basically uh, responsible for a lot of Google's applied AI or research um, initiatives in like deep learning and artificial intelligence spaces. And so getting this internship as a sophomore was definitely uncommon. In fact, when I asked my recruiter initially um, if it would be possible to be matched with this team, she actually said that it would be very unlikely and probably impossible. And so, of course, I didn't let that discourage me. And what others said didn't discourage Michael from applying to Harvard's deferred Master of Science and MBA program either. One interesting thing about the MSMBA program is that that specific program, actually in their requirements on their website, they mentioned that you need to have a engineering or related major. Um, and so even applying for the program, I was kind of sort of going against the odds in the sense that like one of their clearly listed prereqs was something that I technically didn't have, um, being officially being a business management major. But in my essays, um, throughout my application, and especially in my in-person interview, I made sure to emphasize sort of the path that led me to that major and sort of showcase the fact that I still had this technical grounding and this listed major was the best way I felt to encapsulate my interest moving forward. And so because I was able to convey that, they accepted me into the program, um, which was my top choice, and I ended up accepting that. 
What would you have done if you were Michael? If you were told it'd be virtually impossible to get the job, if you didn't have the qualifications on paper as required. Having heard Michael's resilient story, our hope is that you too would emulate Michael's decision to persevere and resist human-defined restrictions on your potential. And with that, perseverance doesn't stop here. You've probably, like myself, Patrice, like you've probably popped in a whole bunch of different applications for a variety of jobs. And I know a lot of people out there, like ourselves, have been rejected over and over and over again, right? And so for me, like I've popped in hundreds of applications in the past, during high school, even like when I was applying for like those uh, internship positions uh, back in year 12, and then moving into university and then moving into my master's. Like I've been rejection after rejection, and, and you realize that a lot of people are as good as you are, and you're trying to find different ways of how to push yourself. And with all this persistence, it's paramount that you keep your mental fitness in check. Resilience is a marathon, not a sprint. So what can you do to ensure that your mental stamina and endurance are up to par with the level at which you're functioning? So I really I really like to be as transparent as possible, especially mm-hmm. with students, because we can we can so easily fall into the trap of looking at someone that's, you know, maybe a bit higher up or a bit more experienced and you think that, oh, they have everything together or, oh, they're doing so well, like they probably, you know, they're always achieving something and all of that. But I want to kind of like break that stigma and be like, you know, there are, especially on LinkedIn, I think a lot of people are so focused on posting their achievements, their accomplishments, that it kind of intimidates people even just to be on that platform. But I want to show people that, you know, especially for me, someone who has been creating content for over a year now, that I do have my bad days. I do have those days where I feel demotivated to do anything or, oh, you know, I'm intimidated, I'm overwhelmed by a lot of things. And I think that's the place I got to where I realized that, oh, no, like, I really do need to you know, take control of my mental health, of my, um, my well-being, because I found myself in a place where I was so eager to help other people on LinkedIn. I was so eager to get on calls, even though it would inconvenience me. And I was like, why, why would I be in a position, why would I put myself in a position where I'm, you know, helping other people to achieve their goals? But the basics of things like eating well or sleeping on time, getting enough sleep, all of that stuff, I'm struggling to do that for myself. So at that point, I was like, blessing, you really need to make it a priority more than anything else to focus on yourself, to take time to rest, to take time to eat properly, to sleep properly, because that itself will naturally just translate into how you help other people. And the whole idea of, you know, you can't pour into others if your cup is half empty. (laughs) So that's what I... (laughs) That's when I started implementing self-care days. So this is the first month that I've really put it into my schedule. Amazing. And what I do is I set five self-care days. So throughout my throughout the month of March, I've put um, five self-care days in my calendar. And basically what that shows me is whenever, you know, someone wants to get on a call with me or I want to do something, I look at my schedule and once I see that self-care day, I don't touch it. I know that this day is for me. This day is not for anyone else to, you know, to help, to do, for me to do anything for. Um, so that has helped me to 
really appreciate, you know, relaxing, breathing, refreshing, because a lot of people think that to succeed, you need to be on top of your game all this, all the time, 24-7, you need to be grinding, grinding, grinding. But in this position now, I can tell you that that's not true. Like, you need your time to rest. And though you may not always see that from people's social media, mm-hmm. it does happen. But I still want to be in a position where I can tell people that, you know, though you see me doing this, doing that, doing all of these things, I'm still taking time to take care of myself and to relax. All right, you've heard it. Determine what you need to relax and de-stress. It might be having self-care days like blessing. It might be disconnecting from technology. It might be working in physical activity into your daily routine. Regardless of what you find works best for you, ensure that you hold yourself accountable to prioritizing your mental fitness. When I first started on LinkedIn, I didn't realize that, you know, not many students were actually using it. So I started the hashtag students of LinkedIn campaign where, you know, people would just, students would just use the hashtag in their posts and that would kind of, you know, generate a, I would say kind of like a community of students who were creating content and just by clicking on on the hashtag, you can see um, other people's content. And it wasn't until, you know, maybe like six to seven months later that I found or I came across who are now my two co-founders of Students of LinkedIn. And we had the same vision, but we wanted to have a greater impact or at least create a community where not only people are using that hashtag, but where we can show people why they should be using LinkedIn, why they should be taking taking charge in their career and how they can, you know, build, build their personal brand as a college student. Um, so it's turned into this community where it's a lot of like knowledge sharing and story sharing and all of that stuff. And as an active hashtag students of LinkedIn contributor myself, I can definitely attest to that. And for Severy, Thanks to creating video content, he was able to land his current job at Salesforce. But amazingly, he wasn't the only one to land a job with the Dream Team. If you go above and beyond through using a completely different platform, and this, you can share your excitement for tech, you can share your excitement for storytelling or so on that platform, people will see that. And so that's something that I feel helped me get a job within Salesforce or helped me really push my excitement for tech. And for me, I'm trying to do it myself through videos. Through effectively using platforms like LinkedIn, reaching out to as many people as I could on the team and sort of getting my name and resume and my information out there and really just showing a very strong and vested interest in their team. Um, I think that's what ended up getting me over the hump and I think I attribute that aggression and sort of passion in terms of reaching out to people and being proactive as what helped me get the internship in the first place. You've probably noticed a common thread. LinkedIn. That's right. Blessing, Severy, and Michael have all leveraged LinkedIn to differentiate themselves, but they've each done it with their own unique flair. For Blessing, it's spearheading a student community. For Severy, it's video content creation. For Michael, it's reaching out to prospective colleagues to share his passion for the work he hopes to be involved in. So as we've seen with these three impactful individuals, it's definitely possible to make your mark on LinkedIn, even as a student. 
In extension to this, they also each have empowering words that they live by as students. After my four years at MIT, it's kind of like you can create goals as far out as you want. Like you can have a four-year plan, a ten-year plan, etc. But you can't like perfectly predict how that goal will manifest itself. Coming in, I knew I was interested in tech and AI and things like that. But like I never knew I'd end up graduating with a business as opposed to CS major at MIT. MBA was never even on my radar in my freshman year, and so I still have that overarching goal of making an impact in tech and using those technologies that I mentioned. But how it's kind of played out over the years hasn't really been what I expected. And so the advice I typically give students is that. I think whatever major you choose, you'll sort of need to craft your own path, and you'll need to sort of carve out what you want your career to look like. And so, whether or not you're a CS major, or business management major, that's still a necessary step that you'll need to take. You shouldn't feel like a certain major will prevent you from getting into a certain industry. As Michael mentioned, it's integral to not only set goals but also to have a plan. And with this plan, you should be flexible and ready to adapt when needed, not fixated on what you or anyone else has initially set out for you. You define what path you'll take now, but that's not the only thing you can define. Realize that you actually have a story. Um, I know a lot of students go through their college career and. You know, they don't really think that they have much to give, or they don't know how to get started with, you know, building a personal brand, or even how to get an internship, things like that. But I think if you're self-aware and if you just put yourself out there, I know so many people say that, and you know, step out your comfort zone and all of that stuff. But I think having the right mindset, having a growth mindset, and really just starting, putting yourself out there, and seeing where things lead you, I think that's the most important part as a student.、Um, It's never a failure. It's always like a lesson learned, and I think that if students can embrace that, if students can can learn to kind of step out of that traditional pathway, out of that traditional、um, that traditional way of you know being a student, I think they're gonna get a lot more from their student experience, and they're gonna maximize the opportunities that come their way. Both both. You know, in the classroom and then outside of the classroom as well. As Blessing highlighted, you also define what value you bring, and for Savory, he's identified how to start this process. It all begins with a set of simple realizations. There's always something you know that someone else doesn't know, and making that impact really comes from sharing what you know, and it could be. Any insights? It could be just your thought process, or could just be just like your excitement. And so, for me in particular, I I currently have a mentor、uh, in Salesforce, and she's absolutely amazing. She's like top notch. I look up to her in the way that she communicates, the way that she looks after the people around her. And so, I'm thinking, how can I make an impact here and there? And so, what I bring to the table when I'm having those conversations with her. Is my insights into technology, my passion points, right? I'm talking to her about 
re- my readings that I've kind of gained from um, TechCrunch, from Marketing Insider. And so I kind of bring my knowledge, my energy towards those conversations. And sometimes what gets me excited is teaching her some things in the, the tech world that she may not even know. So just be in mind that there's always something that you know that other people won't know. And I've heard this statement over and over and over again, and that's to be proactive, not reactive. And really what that means, particularly if you're looking in the workspace or even university, is kind of reaching out to find those answers instead of giving it to you on that platter. So for me in particular, again, moving back to my resilience story, you know, I have that situation where I didn't have best access to the best teachers or didn't have best access to, to write mentorship early on in my career. But just being proactive in a sense of what you want to gain to achieve your particular goals. So for me, just moving into tech, you know, do a lot of research into the company you want to kind of go into or the industry you want to go into. You know, reach out to different people out there within those spaces because really you can learn off them and that could be your, your segue into another opportunity, right? So just being proactive into what you want to achieve and can help you reach your particular goals and your dream job in essence. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rise Regardless. The full episodes with each of these brilliant individuals will be released separately soon, so make sure to subscribe to get notified when they're out. I hope that you share this episode with those in your circles to let them know what you've gleaned from it. And even let me know, post it on social, tell me what an impact it has made on you. I'd absolutely love to hear your thoughts because you're now part of a community of resilient individuals. And I cannot wait to share the next episode with you.